And it's the layers of personas that we have within ourselves that creating a community that incorporates the opportunity to personify one of those layers and then unravel the others in a really safe space is what makes the opportunity that I find for women where that's where the magic sauce really happens. That's where people who are ocular surgeons are also dancers or people who are uh, solution engineers are also avid bakers. And so it's not about creating separate narratives and separate titles for the type of people that we are, but rather creating community and spaces where we can be complete versions of ourselves and allow us to fluctuate in and out of those personas to create relatable moments, to create empathy and understanding, and to create, most importantly, that representation. I'm Jeff Stormer, and this is Sustainability at Work, a podcast about real stories of charitable action, community, and giving back. We're diving deep into the details of what it takes to make a difference in people's lives on our quest to understand the impact we can have on the world when we act together. This episode, we're talking about building communities of mutual support and growth for women navigating the Salesforce ecosystem and what it means when leaders go past mentorship and embrace the idea of professional sponsorship. When talking about representation and leadership for women in tech spaces, it's important at the top to note both the long legacy of work that has been done and the incredible progress made in recent decades. Due directly to the ongoing efforts of inspiring women at all levels in tech, female representation in STEM has dramatically increased in the past few decades. There is still work to be done, but as Rosa Campagna, Jaren's sales director for retail and consumer goods points out, that work begins with recognizing the progress that we've made so far. What I want to acknowledge first is the brave soldiers, we'll say, that have come before me, that have created the space for me to be able to thrive in this ecosystem. So, you know, while we're talking about creating more sustainability and space for women in technology today, it's really important for us to root ourselves in the progress that has been made before we start talking about how it needs to be so different. So I want to start by saying, I do think that it is a progressive vertical and business, and it's why I've been able to be so successful while remaining my authentic self in doing so. Thanks to the incredible efforts of those that came before, the landscape around these conversations has changed dramatically in the last few years. But as Rosa points out, there is still much to be done, especially when it comes to representation in leadership specifically. What I do see, though, in terms of challenges for women in our space is there are women in technology. We know that. There are less women in executive level positions. And I would say not just leadership roles. There's a lot of mid-level management, but I'm talking real impactful decision making. And that lack of representation from a diversity perspective in, in terms of our queer friends, our people of color, and so on and so forth, as well as women, that space is open for, I would say, expansion. And that lack of representation can have a pretty profound knock-on effect. After all, if you're a new employee looking to leadership for examples of where your career could go, and you don't see it in any form that looks like you, that can be a pretty discouraging feeling. 
difficult to basically believe in an imaginative role when you don't see people who look like you, sound like you, dress like you, similar interests as you in those roles that allow you to propel yourself into those spaces. And again, I want to root myself in the fact that I do acknowledge that there are some very powerful women and of all shapes, sizes, and colors that do hold executive level roles in the tech space. It's the amount of women that hold those roles. Conversely, when all levels of an organization are in alignment, focused on making spaces that are welcoming and encouraging and giving talented employees their opportunity to shine, that's often when we get some truly inspiring leaders. I mean, make no mistake, my leadership, my boss, my boss's boss, and my boss's boss's boss, you know, encouraged me and approved for me to run for the position. And when I was elected, celebrated it. So it is it is genuinely supported. Why is it supported and what makes that important? It comes back to one of Mark Benioff's most famous quotes is that business can be the greatest platform for change. That's Darren Bird, Senior Director and Nonprofit Industry Advisor at Salesforce and the Global Philanthropy Chairperson for the Salesforce Women's Network. The background of the Women's Network, of course, as named and aptly named, it's totally open. Any woman at Salesforce can join the Salesforce Women's Network, and we are organized globally by our hub locations, and then we have leadership in each of the hub locations. And I got involved with the Women's Network I want to say it was probably about a year ago as the philanthropy chair for the Amer region in America. It really is a way for the women at Salesforce to activate their philanthropy, whether it's volunteer time or their financial resources to hold up and support organizations that really are aligned with our Salesforce core values, but also that are doing work in either climate or in workforce development, or in education support for women and girls around the world. So what the Women's Network does is put scaffolding around that. And we have a number of different activations we do. My particular role, um, I joined, like I said, I got involved about a year, a year and a half ago as the philanthropy chair for America, and then just recently was installed as the global philanthropy chair. So I'll be coordinating the philanthropy for the Women's Network around the world with my colleagues in the different markets around the world. In addition to its focus on philanthropy and giving back, the Salesforce Women's Network supports women looking to advance in their careers, particularly when it comes to board experience within non-governmental organizations. Here's Darren with the breakdown. We also have an internal training with the Salesforce Women's Network around preparing women for board service and leadership in that regard particularly around NGOs. And that's also part of my work in the philanthropy chair role is really how are we preparing women executives to get themselves ready to serve on nonprofit boards in a way that's meaningful and that really adds value. And I say that um, the technology, of course, is important that we bring that knowledge to bear, but it's really as much about preparing women um, to be leaders in their communities as well. Embracing that kind of top-down investment and a willingness to go beyond surface-level support for women within an organization gets at an important distinction that Rosa sees within the corporate world, the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. I don't think we need more mentorship in this business. I think we need more sponsorship. And let me talk about the difference. 
mentorship is Susan and I meet for a coffee and Susan walks me through her proposal and we talk about how Susan's proposal can be bettered by implementing A, B, C. Susan does her proposal. She comes back to me, her mentor, and we talk about the successes, what worked, what didn't, and how we're going to set ourselves up for the next one. And then how Susan is going to use this awesome proposal to propel herself to her next career goal. That's a mentor. A sponsor is Susan just finished her presentation and I happen to be on the call. I'm not Susan's mentor. I don't know. I, I, I know Susan. I've seen Susan's work. I've seen how great of a job she was, how prepared she was, how excellent she was in terms of her product knowledge and how she was able to manage customer service exceptionally well. And I know the organization is looking to hire someone in a particular role that might that maybe somebody hasn't considered Susan. I'm an executive. I have a one-on-one call with my head of HR. And in passing, we're just catching up, me, me and the head of HR. This is our weekly, right? It's our weekly. Nothing, nothing critical is going on in this call. We're just doing a pulse check on the business. And HR says to me in passing, oh, you know, we're looking to hire for so-and-so and so-and-so. And I say, you know what? You should think about Susan because I was just on a call with Susan. And Susan, let me tell you about Susan. Susan was incredible. Susan was all the things that I had just mentioned. I think you should think about Susan. Let's talk about Susan for a second. Susan didn't know that that meeting was happening. We call that a closed room. She had no idea that conversation was happening. She has no way of influencing me, said executive, aside from doing her job and results and and the way that she operates culturally within the business. That's the only access point Susan has to me as a sponsor. Let me sponsor those names in rooms where I can and create opportunity for the people around me to become the next version of themselves, to add a onion layer, a new version of Susan, because I know she can. Building real sponsorship, the kind that happens behind closed doors with an active eye towards lifting people up and providing new opportunities to deserving employees is crucial, but it also requires real work. It means getting to know employees not just as a resume and a yearly performance evaluation, but as living, breathing people. That's the thing with community is you go in with a shared value of something that you believe in. And then you get to know the people that you share that value with. And slowly but surely, you build relationships and start to see yourself in something that's bigger than yourself. And when you see yourself in something that's bigger than you, you then get to dream bigger. It's here we're building dedicated communities focused on allowing members of historically underrepresented groups becomes essential. Within these groups, employees can connect as people, advocate for each other, and invest in their collective success. They also provide key opportunities for employees, despite their differences, to find the commonalities in their experience. Something Staren experienced firsthand after meeting with the other global heads of the Salesforce Women's Network at the Global Equality Leadership Summit. 
So what's really interesting about our global board is there are 14 of us and we represent every country in the world. And so many different cultures, many different familial backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, and of course, cultural backgrounds. And I had a fascinating conversation with two women, one of whom lives in Mumbai, India. She's on the board with me and another woman who lives, who's Dutch. And we had a very interesting conversation, not just about equality, but about multi-generational challenges and the differences between our country and the U.S. and certainly the way Europeans and those that live in Asia Pacific approach caring for their elders and how they um, approach multi-generational um, family challenges. And we, we just had a fascinating conversation about faith, culture, the definition of family, and really the role that individuality plays in our ability as countries and cultures to embrace caring for multi-generational um, members of our own family. So I would say that while that is not directly correlated to the to the women's network work per se, what's fascinating about an opportunity like this to participate in something like this is the ability to meet your colleagues who have very different backgrounds from you and learn from them and compare notes. Um, I think I'm of the, you know, I'm 53 now. So I'm in that sandwich generation of many of myself and my friends are caring for aging parents. And the way we approach that work in this country, in the U.S., compared to how they approach it in certainly in Europe and in India is very different. And it was just a very rich, fascinating conversation. And I, I think my big takeaway is that we are all really ultimately very much the same, um, but our cultures and our countries approach things very differently. And there's so much to be gained in spending time with people who are different from you because there's so much learning to be had. And in a world and an industry that often pits employees against one another as competition, that collective spirit can be a radical thing. When we start to view each other as allies, instead of, well, there's no way Alicia's going to take my spot on the project team because I've been working so hard on this project team and Alicia just got here. Well, you know what? How about you and Alicia both work on the project team? Or how about you learn from each other? How about you create an alliance between you and Alicia and make that uh, an opportunity to create that cycle and community that's going to propel yourself through the organization together? Ladies, stop making each other competitions. Work smart, not hard. When you pull somebody down, you pull yourself down. And that is not going to make the business successful or you successful, period. This also gets at another key challenge women and other historically marginalized groups face when navigating the corporate ecosystem, one of imposter syndrome. When you're the sole voice in the room advocating for yourself, it can feel easy to let doubt seep in. But when there is a community behind you, backing you, encouraging you, suddenly it becomes much easier to take that essential step forward. That empowerment from people who look like you, sound like you, relate to you, are interested in the same things that you want to do, how that propels an organization is we eliminate the imposter syndrome. That trickles down from top to bottom so that women are less afraid to push their ideas forward in an organization because they have a team rallying behind them that says, use your voice and speak it loudly. 
for an example of what this looks like in action, we can look to the Salesforce Women's Network and its mission of bringing women together through philanthropy and using those experiences to drive a tangible sense of community. I would argue that the Salesforce Employee Resource Groups and the Salesforce Women's Network in particular, given it is more than half of our workforce, exemplifies the idea that to invite diverse stakeholders to the table to craft and cultivate culture and create space for people to participate in the conversations that are important, not only to their identity and who they are in the organization, but who they are in the world translates into creating space and creating trusted communities so that people learn to show up as their best selves, not only with each other, but with our customers. And that translates into enormous success. The act of bringing people together as individuals, each making a conscious investment towards working together for everyone's benefit, is a pretty powerful thing. Through small, meaningful actions of philanthropy and giving back, employees are able to connect with one another on a deeper level and create the bonds that drive meaningful change over time. It's incumbent upon each of us in the Women's Network and beyond and at Salesforce to create and take ownership of the culture that we have in our values, as well as those that we purport and talk about. It's how we show up in meetings with our colleagues, and it's how we show up for our customers. It's my responsibility as an employee of Salesforce to grow that culture in a way that is meaningful to not only Starin, but that creates space for others that are like me and others that are different from me, like my colleagues in Mumbai, to have shared experiences and to create and foster that culture in a way that's really meaningful. How it shows up in the business is equality is one of our core values at Salesforce. And I think that participating in work like this is a daily reminder that my voice is as important as anyone else's voice. And that I also have a responsibility to hold space to hear the other voices on our team as we approach our customers to help them with transformation. And at the end of the day, the baseline of all of that is trust. So the resource groups create that trust. It teaches us to flex that muscle with each other internal to building our own culture. And then by extension, we are able to share that with our customers, our partners, and with the broader ecosystem at Salesforce. The results of this work and of an organization such as Salesforce actively endorsing the community building efforts of the Salesforce Women's Network and similar resource groups is pretty profound, both for women navigating the Salesforce ecosystem and for the organization on the whole. These kinds of resource groups and the Salesforce Women's Network in particular is a recommitment to Salesforce culture and to rebuilding and holding space for that culture. It's also an invitation to have the stakeholders like myself and my colleagues participate in the fostering and the enrichment of that culture. So that's one piece of it that is, I think, really important. But the other piece of it is that statistically, it also increases productivity because by virtue of increasing that trust, increasing that ownership and that willingness to lean in and really hold space for that culture and be part of building it, 
you know, it also increases productivity and it's good for business, which is why they're called Business Resource Group. And that kind of culture driven by empowered employees giving their best work beyond just building a better corporate environment can also pretty tangibly impact a company's bottom line. When we are able to project our ideas clearly with confidence and with bravery, how that relates in ROI for a business is you then have a roster of employees who are dedicated in using your engine to not only propel themselves, but to find the additional value in your business while they make themselves better. That is a very unique process, I think, to building a community of dedicated spaces for women, allowing them to unfold that onion and become the different levels of themselves when they feel safe, when they feel heard, when they feel secure, they bring you magic. And that magic results in cash money, baby. And I don't know a CEO who isn't interested in cash money. And of course, in the case of the Salesforce Women's Network, with its focus on philanthropy and giving back, that impact doesn't just enrich the organization. It echoes out to the world at large through good works that benefit people at a wide scale. Two initiatives that we undertook last year that were really interesting and successful were we rallied around Save the Children internationally to support women and children and the Save the Children work that was happening overseas around helping women and children uh, rehome after the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey last year. And then in addition, on an ongoing basis, one of the bigger projects that was new to us last year, but that we're really going to try to step up this year is our partnership with Dress for Success. And that's really around education and workforce development. Something that I didn't know, but Dress for Success is a global organization with more than 1,400 chapters around the world, really trying to help women get re-engaged and upskill into the workforce. And so that's another one that's easier to activate globally with an organization of that kind, because what their work and mission does is it spreads across the globe and then, of course, is culturally relevant in each of the countries where they're located. The end result? Employees at their best, making the world a better place, lifting up one another and growing the organizations they're a part of as they move forward in their career. It's about the people and it's about the performance of the business. I think it's fascinating to watch and and you don't have to look very far to realize that it actually works. So inclusion works. That's real change. And as Starin and Rosa both put it, at the heart of that change is one thing, people stepping forward and making that happen. One of the most important things for all of us to remember is that if we want change or we want things to be different or we seek growth, It is our responsibility to go after that and to propagate it. It's not going to happen for or to us. We have to take ownership of that and step into those gaps and make things happen. And that is sustainability at work. This has been Sustainability at Work. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Starin and Rosa for your incredible contributions on this episode. Sustainability at Work is, as always, produced by Jaren in collaboration with Salesforce. I am Jeff Stormer, your host and producer. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or heading to jaren.com to receive email updates when we drop a new episode. Until next time, thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you again soon. Sustainability at Work.